little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Welcome to tonight's episode, folks. I'm your host, Nate, as usual, and I'm joined by one of our usual co-hosts. Say hi, Uncle Mark. Hey, you nerds. How you doing tonight? And we've got a special guest, Alex Kretschmar, that is not pronounced like Hello. it's a Klingon. Kretschmar! Def- definitely not. <laughs> so, uh, hi, you Alex, doing? you can just go ahead and Spa. give yourself a quick Scan intro. Feel free to plug your... Klingons. See, and there's Mark already, trampling us all. <laughs> all right, Alex, go. Quick intro. Hi, I'm Alex. <laughs> I am co-host of the self-hosted podcast at selfhosted.show. Uh, I work with you two reprobates for my sins, I think. Uh, I do a bunch of uh, other stuff, blogging, writing. I wrote for Ars Technica recently on Home Assistant. Oh, that's cool. Uh, stuff like that. I enjoy drone racing and 3D printing and photography and music. I'm a drummer, so... That's me. <laughs> drone racing. I, I think I've seen drone yeah. racing, but I've always looked at it as the sort of sport that my brain doesn't have enough dimensions to uh, to handle. Oh my! It's uh, well, for the one on the one hand, you know, a drug habit would be cheaper. <laughs> on the other hand, it's a lot of fun. So you have these, you wear these goggles, and in real time, the drone transmits a video field back to your glasses with like a few milliseconds five or ten milliseconds latency uh, and you fly around a field and try not to crash into people it's pretty fun people or not into people yeah people people if by people i mean drones. other drone pilots <laughs> not actual soft squishes not actual people right <laughs> that's that's crazy and uh you say you say that uh a drug habit would be cheaper uh i have an off-road an automotive off-road habit and uh, believe me i understand <laughs> yeah absolutely. i could drop 30 grand in a heartbeat and not be done <laughs> yeah well i'm not quite up there with you on yeah. that but uh... yeah well that's that's the that's one of the nerd jerk jokes in the community introduce your kid to magic cards and they'll never have enough money for drugs yeah usually it's uh introduce <laughs> your your uh your kid to any automotive auto, uh, sport and they won't have enough money for drugs yeah, there's there's several that can yeah there are, there depend, are depending on your cultural stance apparently and background apparently drone racing is whatnot <laughs> yeah i like the idea of evil drone racing like like uh like what are so demolition derbies those were big when i was a kid God, that sounds so expensive they're, they're kind of passe right now i think right like the, they were kind of a big deal in like the 70s and maybe into the i remember 80s, those demolition derbies. the 80s demolition yeah. derbies. Do, do you really have those anymore wasn't there a game, a video game, Destruction Derby? Absolutely, absolutely, there was. If that's the one I'm thinking of, you could race in a in an ice cream truck that had a large clown on top of it. <laughs> the best kind of ice cream. The best kind of ice cream truck. So anyway, there was another one that came back out on iOS as well called Carmageddon, yes, which I thought was pretty Carmageddon cool was too. another one. So um, a couple episodes back, ninety four, I think it was, uh, we talked about self hosting, and a bunch of you guys reached out and said. Hey, there's this other show called the Self-Hosted Podcast or something. <laughs> you guys should have this guy on the show. You guys could, could like talk about self-hosting. And you know, it turns out we work with Alex, and you know, this was actually pretty easy to set up. It was just a matter of waiting till we all uh, aligned. So uh, I thought tonight we would just kind of go around uh, the 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 perspective we took last time was: Does it still make sense to self-host? So. I don't know. Why don't we? Why don't we start there? You you run you are you co-host a show that's all about 
self-hosting. So what's your stance on that? Like, does it make sense or have cloud providers eaten it up? Is it too easy to just go spin up an instance somewhere? And It depends on you. I mean, there's, there's so many angles to this particular question. It depends on the service in question. It depends on the amount of time you have available. It depends on your skill set. It depends on a million different things, right? And I think the answer in general for me as a Linux nerd is yes. However, there are some specific exceptions, stuff like email. I'm never, I'm never going to bother self-hosting email because that needs to be 99.1,000,000s uptime. Yeah. I always need to be able to receive email no matter what's happened to my VPS provider, my ISP at home, whatever it might be. So I'm quite happy to sign over that portion. I say happy. I'm okay with signing over that portion of the self-hosting universe to Uncle Google. However, no relation the whole... to me. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> However, to there Uncle is Mark. the whole privacy angle <laughs> too, right? I mean, the the general the general gist of this argument goes: you're trading your time and effort for money and convenience, generally. And if there isn't money, it's your data. So with Google, with Gmail as the the prime example, if you're okay with using Gmail, you're basically saying it's okay for Google to know everything about you and your life. That's a valid approach. So um, I I used to self host email. <laughs> There's a reason I don't anymore. So that that really that really hits. Um, I also used to professionally host email when I worked at the college and when I worked at an ISP before that. So uh, you're you're right. Um, one of our co-hosts, Jason, he still self-hosts his email, and uh, it's it can be a nightmare. Yeah. But then there are other services like Plex, for example, or Nextcloud, or uh, there's another one I've started using called Paperless, which is a, a like a digital filing cabinet which has OCR stuff. There's a lot of this stuff that's just actually freaking cool. Yeah. Right. It, I can go through any letter that I've scanned through this app now using OCR and find the exact word in that document and it never leaves my server. And I love that. I was watching um, uh, a documentary called, I've forgotten, it had Snowden in it. It was quite recent. Um, the Truth is Out There or something to do with the truth. I can't remember okay. the name. Um, and essentially, it's just a huge, massive wake-up call to say, it's about social media, actually. It's called The Social something. Was it the um, one on Netflix that I haven't watched yet, but everybody yeah, tells me I yeah, should yeah, yeah. watch? The Social yeah. Dilemma? Social Dilemma, that's it, yeah. And it's all about how when you start making these trade-offs against uh, you know, giving the algorithms control over what you see and what you do, eventually, and there was a phrase that Snowden used of that was that eventually these algorithms will control what you believe. And I just, it's so insidious and it's happened so slowly and it's so dangerous that it is literally tearing apart the social fabric of society. Absolutely. As we know yeah, it. Yeah, look, I mean, that's happening right now. Just just go sign up for a Facebook account and look at the crazy that's going on in there. Yeah, My wife absolutely. has to keep telling me to stop engaging with the crazy anti-vaxxers because it's just... Yeah, it's probably good for your blood pressure, if nothing yeah. else. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, she's like, would you just stop? Just stop. 
Okay. But the other thing is, the other angle about self-hosting is it got me the job I have today. That might sound a bit silly to you, but... No, that completely I, resonates. A few years ago, uh, was doing a computer science master's. And during that year, I started messing around with servers and Linux and compiling kernels and doing stuff like GPU pass-through back when it was actually really difficult mm-hmm. and you had to have the exact specific BIOS revision, all that kind of crap. And in that year, I, I built a server running Unraid. And what I wanted to do was do GPU pass-through with, with Unraid because I was a poor student. I couldn't afford a desktop computer. So I thought, right, I can afford a GPU, you know, like a hundred pounds or something, throw that in the system and then do pass through. And I've got a free computer. Why wouldn't I do this? And in, in, in that year, uh, not only did I discover how awesome Linux was, but then I discovered how difficult VMs can be to administer <laughs> if you're a, an idiot newbie like uh-huh. I was back then. Mm. And so what containers and Docker allowed me to do was operate a, at a level of competence well above where I actually was and get Plex up and running and some, you know, torrent stuff and just some other, you know, basic stuff that that you do at the beginning. And over time that kind of progressed into founding LinuxServer.io, which then kind of progressed into founding the self-hosted podcast. And, you know, during that time I've done a lot of blogging and writing and stuff, but those skills I learned in that master's year uh where i figured out about vms versus containers led me to land a devops job in london for a bank this was fresh out of college knowing diddly squat honestly i have no idea why they hired me but they did and that then led to a proof of concept uh with docker versus openshift versus mesosphere versus rancher and we selected openshift as part of that yay and then we got a consulting team in and I worked with the Red Hat consultants on deploying it for this bank and then made some good relationships, ended up moving into Red Hat consulting myself in London. And here we are, <laughs> you know, so should you self-host? Yes, absolutely. Because you're investing in yourself. Yeah. It's so no it's, other reason. it's really funny because I, I've told this story before on the, on the show and we, we keep talking about maybe having a show where each of us just shares sort of our quote unquote origin story if you want to call it that. But uh, I started very similar except My parents were killed yeah, right? outside the movie theater. Like late nineties, I was just really interested in well, I honestly early nineties, I was really interested in computers and I was too broke to afford a license for a Windows machine. Right. So I found Linux because it was quote unquote free. I spent like thirty bucks to buy a Red Hat five point uh, disc at a computer show. And uh, that's you know, same deal. I spent hours just trying to figure out how to get the damn thing installed on my on my old 486, right? And then to get it up to the point where I had a, a desktop where I could do things, right? And then I'm like, what else can I do with this? And I started making servers out of it. And then people broke into those servers and destroyed them. And then I had to rebuild them. And then they broke into those and destroyed them. <laughs> and that's how the 90s went. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But same deal, so- right? That's what got me into, into IT. I just really was curious about it. And I started doing stuff at home. Sorry, Mark, you're trying so to I- speak. I, that, I'm Mark? trying to speak, ahead, but, I'm, but I'm not. Oh, oh, my word. No. So something Alex said a few minutes ago, it, it was said almost in an apologetic manner, but it, it shouldn't be the the idea that. Um, I truly believe that to become really good at technology, you need to have some skin in the game. 
and and for me um before i had any actual linux cred when i was trying to get my first linux job i had messed with it by setting it up on a lab inside of merck but i had also as silly as it sounds when i was interviewing for my first linux positions i would i would bring in my laptop and show them the work I had done with this Neverwinter Nights server that I that I hosted. Oh, right. I had actually Never founded it. Nights. My goodness. And the man. whole infrastructure behind it, the forums, the database link-ins, all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm basically running, I'm basically running a multi-server, multi-service thing here. And again, this was in the this was in the early 2000s when that was actually friggin' hard. So as silly as things like that sound. I, I firmly believe that, that that having that experience, even though it wasn't work experience, that helped me to land my, my first real Linux job with Merck. I, I also firmly believe this. When I look at the most successful Red Hatters, because that's where I've been for five years, right? The most successful Red Hatters are the, are the nerds that have invested in a home lab and that get their hands dirty running stuff on it. And and I kind of got out of that for a little bit. But when Valheim, one of the current games I'm playing launched, it coincided with me coming in coincided with me coming into upgrading my home lab. So I decided I was going to host a Valheim server for me and my friends. This was because and and I could have gone with Amazon or I could have gone with some third party service, right? Because you can pay a place 12 bucks a month. But here here's my challenges with that. And, and then I'm gonna get I'm gonna get off the soapbox shortly. I saw too many people who were paying a lot of these companies, and the the, the service was terrible, right? You, you I think what happens is a lot of these places shove they shove too much stuff onto shared farms. I ran into this experience on Amazon when I helped my daughter set up a, a uh, an instance to do some computation for her chemistry stuff she was doing. She got a grant and they, she wanted to run some simulation. And the, the machine would be running the simulation and I'd look in top and top showed that the system was the the steel percentage was anywhere from fifty to eighty percent way too often. Now, if you don't know what that means, you're paying Amazon hourly for for a CPU, but the steel says this is the n- amount of time that the, the virtual processor is sitting waiting to execute an instruction because the hypervisor that it's running on isn't giving it any 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 service. So sitting on Amazon, this machine that we were paying money for, half the friggin' time was sitting there twiddling its thumbs. So, yeah, depending on what you're depending on what you're putting in a cloud or letting doing as a service, you're you're you might actually be like getting a ridiculously low amount of resources for the job. Absolutely. So that's so that's, I run I run the Valheim server on. Yeah. That's what a shared environment yeah. is, really, right? Yeah. And and these you know twelve dollar a month places, right? So um, if I'm trying to think of an example here, if uh, if I want to torrent something, right, it's too easy for an ISP to be like, we don't allow torrenting, blah blah blah, right? So you can go grab a seed box for like two bucks a month or something like that, and it's a similar idea, right, where you go and. You, you pay, and within seconds, they've spun a thing up, 
but whatever your guaranteed resources are, are they really guaranteed? Because they're probably spinning up a billion of those things just to make their two bucks a month. Right. Because it's so cheap, right? The same thing applies if, to some place like Amazon, uh, even though it's a much larger scale and they have a lot more money in that pot. They're not just some guy trying to make an extra couple bucks to, you know, whatever, buy a new spoiler for the back of his car. <laughs> and here's, here's another angle. Uh, vendor lock-in. I don't yep. know if you have any note-taking apps, for example. But I'm a huge proponent of plain text wherever possible. Mm-hmm. I've started trying to use Emacs in the last six months or so. It's it's quite difficult going. It's quite tough going. But when you get in the groove for a few days, it, it is good. But then you go for, you know, for a weekend or whatever, or four months off work because you've had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> All these things go out the window. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you think <coughs> about just notes, how many different note-taking apps are there? And a lot of them need databases and then, you know, some specific schema corruption happens and all of your notes are toast. Mm -hmm. Great. Whereas if I have just clear text files, it doesn't really matter what the front end is. It could be Emacs, it could be VS Code, it could be Notepad, I mean, whatever you like. And uh, those notes will live forever because clear text isn't going anywhere which i never use us of a, a, a specific proprietary note-taking program i make little text files yep yeah i'm with you on i'm yeah. with you on so that train, I, Alex. I i agree with the concept the problem is um i want something that's accessible on everything right so if i if i'm out at the grocery store and i have a thought or whatever and i'm not near a computer i want to be able to pull my phone out and take a note if I'm at my computer, so I want to make like the same note in the same place, right? The point I made at the beginning where you trade your uh, data yep. and money for time and convenience. Yep. That's where the self-hosting argument for you for note-taking leans towards use some hosted service somewhere, like Simple Note or something. Right. That so I've been, I, personally, <clears throat> I've been using Google Keep just because I've been in the Google ecosystem forever. And that's right there on my phone, and it works in a browser. It works in any browser that I've used it in. It works on my phone. It works on several mobile devices, whatever. And the, and it's like instant. You make a note, and it's there. They're everywhere. The downside is yep. Google is obviously known for just like on a whim canceling a service. So I'm waiting for the no, day. No, they've, ne- they've never right, done that, have right. they? Right. I'm waiting for the, There's not like a website that tracks all of them and, and tries to predict when they're going to go away, right? Um And who's to say that um, maybe Google's a bad example, but there are plenty of other examples where companies will go out of business Mm -hmm. or they'll get acquired or their business model changes. And that thing that was free or was cheap enough for you to pay for it, you know, a buck or two suddenly becomes 10 or 20. Suddenly you've got all this knowledge, wisdom, potentially years worth of stuff locked up in this proprietary thing that you now have either lost or can't get access to. And if you extrapolate this example from note taking to physical hardware, something like, uh, think of a good example, like a light bulb, Mm -hmm. for example, one of these smart light bulbs, a Philip Hue light bulb has proprietary firmware on it that so long as Philips Hue keep maintaining and supporting it will continue to work for some amount of time. But if you put yourself in Philip's position, if you buy one light bulb and don't buy another light bulb for 20 years, where's their incentive 
to keep supporting that 20-year-old light bulb. Yeah, they, yeah, they sold for whereas, 20 bucks. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas if I have a free and open source firmware, something like Tasmota is a great example. That, that uh, bulb. I own that hardware. That right I'm not beholden to anybody <laughs> else's business model. So it applies to just not just notes, but also yeah. physical stuff as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a perfect example. I have this this doorbell. And I talked about this once before on the show as well. Uh, it was given to me as a Christmas present. Somebody bought it at like Walmart. It's a smart doorbell, right? And uh, the idea is you just hook this thing up. There's a You can buy a chime that works with it. It's all wireless. You just get power to it and it's supposed to work. Well, uh, the thing is, the way it works is through a cloud provider in China, right? So if I want to cook up this doorbell just to notify me on my phone when someone presses my doorbell, uh, and sends me video of my front porch, uh, I have to go through a cloud provider in China. The doorbell was dirt cheap. That's the whole reason it was given to me as a present, right? Because it was inexpensive and they thought, oh, he likes gadgets, he'll love this, right? Um, I don't know when that cloud provider is gonna close its doors. And what happens when it does? Doorbell just stops working? Uh, what are they doing with that yeah, data? Probably. Right? probably. Why does my data have to go through China to get back to me, <laughs> right? <laughs> Very good question. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's another great example. The same the same deal. Um, for your light bulb example, I have I have a I have a number of Tasmoda bulbs and I have a number of C by GE bulbs. And I'll tell you which bulbs, even though they were more expensive, work better with uh, with my home setup. And that's the Tasmoda ones because there's less in the way. There's no cloud provider to reach out to. There's no integration with my this or that. It's just my home assistant in the basement can talk to my Tasmoda bulbs. And I was going to ask, do you run home assistant? Yep. You're a good yep. man. Yep. I love, freaking love home yeah, assistant. Yeah, we had we had a guy on the show. Uh, he goes by The Mentor or Dementor. Uh, he's in our, our Discord if you... Did I say it wrong, Mark? Discord. Yeah, you did. did I but hit the button again? I still heart you. Anyway, um, he he uh, he's, he's real hard on the uh, uh, home assistant. And after we had him on the show, I'm like, I'm going to check this out. So I threw it in a Docker container on my machine in the basement. And uh, sure enough, it's like, it's definitely a, a trap. You get into that. and then, It's a trap! And then it's like, what else can I automate? Huh? Now, is it a, do is it a Docker container or are you using Podman? It is at the moment Docker. I'm going to move it to Podman. As, Loser. Well, it's currently on physical hardware, which is a CentOS 7 box, which I guess I could uh -huh. theoretically put Podman on, but... Um, you, could. you should be. You should upgrade that CentOS, that CentOS seven, to CentOS Stream. And, did you and be, uh, Did you hear that Red Hat killed CentOS? I I've heard that over and over, <laughs> and it's not true. It's not true. All right, so it's kind of. I true. guess the other thing I wanted to get your true. perspective on, Alex, and we this this came up when we were talking about it a couple episodes ago. Um, at what point do you consider it self-hosting versus? cloud hosting. Like if I spin up an EC2 instance that just gives me a Linux box in the cloud, but I built the application or I deployed the application myself, is that still self-hosting? Or do you just not care? Yes, <laughs> yes it is. You consider so that self-hosting? Interesting. If I if I have uh, SSH access to the system that is running the service, I consider that under my control. Ah, wow. So uh, I, I'm going to respectfully disagree with that being self-hosting because you, That's okay. you, you don't, you don't have any access to the hardware. You don't have, you, for me, my definition for something to be self-hosted, I need console hardware root access. 
mm-hmm. so that I can change the resources, the resource allocation, have total control of the hypervisor if it's virtualized, have total control of the hardware so I can give it more RAM or swap hardware around. The the suit I had exactly that situation with the Amazon box. We were running Fedora on an EC2 instance, but I but Amazon was not was not letting us use as much computational power as we were in theory paying for, right? Because we were getting. We, we... But that's where the balance again shifts between different people, mm-hmm. and my version of self-hosting is is clearly different from yours, and, and that's okay. I think. For me, it's it's about being able to own the data. So take a, take notes again as, as an example. If I'm using Google Keep, I have zero say how that is computed on the back end or stored or backed up. Indexed. Whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. If I'm, if I'm hosting that on Linode or DigitalOcean or AWS, I can SSH in and I could, you know, set up a ZFS file system and replicate that locally if I want to. So that... For me, any of my VPS instances, and I have two or three of those, they're all totally ephemeral. Right? If they went away tomorrow, I wouldn't care. I could spin them up again with Terraform in five minutes and then replicate the data back and I'm good to go. That, for me, is the definition of, of self-hosting, is that I'm able to treat it cattle versus pets. I'm able to just... okay. It, it doesn't matter. So the data doesn't matter. So I'm going to put words in your mouth and you can tell me if these are words are accurate to you. The line of self-hosting crosses with what we traditionally call today software as a service. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I, if, if I have zero control over the, the backend plumbing of the service, then that's not self-hosted. Okay. Okay. And that's cool. So you don't, you don't necessarily for you, for you, it's more, it's more about, it's more about the data, the application layer itself and not so much the hosting platform. Yeah. But what, what about a scenario that JS Carr is uh, pointing out in the chat, a colo. So if you were to pony up and pay for a dedicated colo box in a data center, presumably because you could go into that data center and unrack and do whatever you want to that piece of hardware you would consider that self-hosting so now we start to get a little persnickety right so so how much access do i have do i have if it's an hp unit do i have ilo access like am i do i have god level access at the hardware level and and chat chat might lag a little bit yeah right for me for for I I would probably concede that if I had God level access to a piece of hardware living in a data center, that would be mostly self-hosted. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> I mean, I'm like I'm like one of these King James only people now, right? Uh self-hosted needs to be in my house where I live. I mean, that's probably not But then you run into or in my business issues right? with electricity, with ISPs with oh, the dog pulling out a chewing yeah, a cable. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been right, down this that, road. Like, I've, I've, but, I've had the data center in the basement for quite a long time. In fact, for most of the time that I ran my own website, it was in my basement. For a little while, it was right. in an ISP, because at an ISP that a friend ran. Um, but it is a severe pain in the butt. I mean, having now, having, having uninter- 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 uninterruptible power, 
having an ISP that's okay with you hosting like that, it's 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 a big deal. Not to mention cooling. Right. You get you get more so, than a couple and, servers, and, and all of a sudden you're heating up your whole basement. Right. And, and self-hosted is not always superior, right? Right. Like a, like home hosted. Home-hosted has advantages. I can touch the server that I built. It's got pretty red lights, which you're absolutely right. And now, and and I made some changes. I've got a line of uninterruptible power supplies on this thing and on the cable modem and on the router. So if I, the type of power I tend to lose where I live, I've lived here for 10 years, this house. Actually, no, my God, I've lived here longer than that. I've lived in this house for shit. Anyway. <laughs> I've, since 2007, yeah, a little more than 10 years. That's funny. That's how the long point I've is, here. That's funny. I don't tend to have multi-hour power outages. I tend to have five-second to one-minute power outages just because I'm, I'm on a very stable part of the grid. If I've got a multi-hour outage, there's a tropical storm that comes every 20 years that has hit us. Um, and even then, I don't always lose power. Right. But yeah, just... I'm not saying that this is always a, that it doesn't have drawbacks and that it's better. Just in, in my mind, and I'm willing to be wrong, in my mind, self-hosted always meant that either the if you're an individual, it's in your dwelling place. If you're a business, the servers are on site. So it depends what your goals are with self-hosting, right? If If your goal is to be able to touch the tin and replace the hard drives yourself and do all that kind of stuff i think your definition is perfectly valid for me it's about uh solving a problem generally speaking um you know i'll run my own unify controller for example or i will host my own website and stuff like that and i would rather not pay squarespace their exorbitant fees to do that i would rather own and host the website myself and so it's it's just uh, for me, I, I actually don't really care too much that DigitalOcean have the keys to my server, should I ever want it, because everything there is encrypted at rest. So unless they are going in to a live running server, which would not happen on the regular, I don't think, then, you know, because of encryption, there's not much to worry about, yeah, in my opinion. No, I, I use DigitalOcean cool. as well, so I'm I'm glad to hear you have a, a good opinion of them. <laughs> yeah, we got a, a sponsorship deal on the uh, on, on my podcast with Linode at the moment, uh, so I currently have an unlimited account with Linode, which is a lot of fun. But uh, oh, that's nice. But here's something I think we can all agree. Maybe upon. we need DigitalOcean to sponsor Iron System. Then I'm going to get I, on that. <laughs> I, I I I like I like your statements about SSH access. Because if it's about keeping your chops up, if it's about learning, I I think that type of access is critical, right? Because often in enterprise situations, you don't, like when I was an SA at Merck, and that uh, systems administrator, so not SA like at Red Hat. Yeah, we started in a place where we had production on site, but shortly after I started, production moved down to Charlotte. And a while after that, we weren't even allowed in the test data center in White House. And I was working remotely most of the time anyway. So I didn't touch hardware very much at all, except for my first couple at the very beginning of being a Linux administrator. But we always had console access. We always had SSH. 
And that's honestly where you, where I think you do learn the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, don't get me wrong. I love having a data center to walk into. That's one of the things that I miss about being in the position that I'm in now. But I get to make up for that by having a couple machines in the basement that I use as a lab. I don't run production services down there except for my Plex system because to me it makes more sense to have that here than it does to have it on a cloud provider. Um, but yeah, it's... Yeah, good luck finding 50 terabytes in the cloud for the price of your server every oh, month. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I don't know what you think I'm storing on my Plex server. You think I'm pirating a bunch of movies or something? <laughs> no comment. I thought you had your family reenact popular movies and TV shows, and they do a frighteningly good job of it. No, we know someone that does that, though. Okay. You must have a lot of drone footage or uh, a lot of photographs on there. You know, you, you laugh, but the, uh, the thing that takes up the most space on my Plex server, and it's really just because it's where I have the most storage, is all the footage from my YouTube channel. So <laughs> It's not surprising. It takes up probably two-thirds of the storage where my, my movies... Which, being completely honest, are actually mostly DVD backups. I have a bunch of DVDs in the attic, and I've copied them to Plex so that they're a lot easier to index and find than uh, going through the, the old, you know, shelves well, and shelves of DVDs. I think I think we resolved that legally twenty or thirty years ago, and it was ruled that you're allowed to keep a backup. Yeah, to be honest, I don't care. <laughs> I have the DVDs. If they really want to come after me for copying them to a, a Plex server in my basement, no, I, I think we, I think so we did it. settle that legally. I think so too. I think so too. Violating the DMC, DCMA, or whatever it is. Well, that is a stupid law anyway. So Jayscar wants to know how much storage we have in our homes. I've only got like three or four terabytes, if I remember correctly. Uh this guy's two, and it's mostly full. Guy. So I'm looking at a Synology as soon as I can afford it. Probably, I think uh, I've got about 150 in this house, and then I've got 50 terabytes in England. Damn, I'm a lightweight. Is that I've just for offsite six... backup? Jeez. What do I have <laughs> well, here? so when I emigrated three years ago, I uh, just left my old server in England because I was planning to build a new one here and then replicate everything between the two. Interesting. So is it hosted someplace in England, like, or is it in someone's basement? Yeah, my parents. Okay. Um, just under the under the stairs. Yeah. Perfect. Just like Harry Potter. Do the consoles count, or just like? Because I got about seven terabytes on the real computers, which sounds like lightweight, but I don't. Well, it's have more a than I've server. got. <laughs> we had Wendell on, and uh, his, you know, Wendell from uh, Level One Techs. He uh, he has over a petabyte. So oh, wow. no matter what any of us say. Wow. That's a lot. We're puny. That's a lot. <laughs> really? Yeah, the Synology I've been specking out is like more like 20, right? So. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I actually I got a sent a review but unit. She's a bit of a lightweight. So I've got one of their Ryzen powered uh, disk stations at the minute. It's pretty great. Quite quite like that thing. And it does VMware iSCSI with a 10 gig NIC too. So it's it's pretty ca pretty capable for a home lab. That's cool. Cool. All right, we've gone kind of all over the place here. Um, we talked about home automation a little bit. So you said you're a home assistant fan, huh? You have you have like crazy stuff going on, or is it just like some light bulbs and thermostats? Uh, I've actually uh, the last week or so been automating my woodworking workshop. So uh, I have a bunch of those blast gates for the dust collector. Mm -hmm. um, so the blast gate is a thing that you know you got a pipe, and the blast gate goes. Shoo, 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 shoo to block the pipe open or closed, depending on which tool you're using. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been doing a bunch of stuff with um, 
the ESP8266. I just happen to have one here yeah. on a breadboard. Um, little Wi-Fi chip with, um, I think, 40 kilobytes of RAM and four megabytes of flash storage. That's what's in these bulbs, uh, little, right? The Tesmoda bulbs? Is it the same yeah, controller? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh little microcontroller with some gpio pins um they're about three bucks each if you buy them in bulk from china and uh so i've been doing integrating my dust collection system with home assistant uh also the office plant that i haven't been in my office since january the plant in my office kept nearly dying i kept going in there and being like oh time to water water the plant Uh, so i bought a capacitive moisture sensor for the soil for the plant in my office hooked that up to a $5 USB water pump and then wrote some automations in Home Assistant with ESP Home, Flash the firmware. And then, so my, my office plant now waters I, itself. I feel, like, I feel like that defeats <laughs> the purpose of having a plant. <laughs> like, what, how do you mean? I don't know. I always, I feel like people who like plants like them because they have a thing to take care of, right? It's like, Almost like a bond well, I mean, people have with plants. It doesn't hurt to have a, a, a you know, a digital backup, does I it? Guess, uh, I guess if I had some kind of a mechanism that could automatically feed my children breakfast, that would probably be a thing I'd go for, too. That would be awesome. You could do that. Why wouldn't you You could do totally that? do that. <laughs> it just shoots gruel down a pipe onto their plate. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. Uh, I also did some stuff with my garage door openers. So I got a Sonoff uh sv a low voltage thing so i don't have to use the myq app and uh that just basically bridges the contacts in a relay to open my garage door with an nfc tag outside my door which is kind of cool i think of other stuff outside of thermostats and lighting scar is asking about a uh home assistant powered bidet no (laughs) that's my bodily functions are all natural. Yeah, Thank right. You, we don't need automation there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so it sounds like you're uh, you're a hands-on sort of guy. Then you don't, uh, you know, just do the off sh- off the shelf stuff. Well, no. Why would I have a three D printer if that was my good game? point? Good point. <laughs> Drone racing got me involved with all that stuff, so I knew basically nothing about electronics. Uh, I couldn't solder. I couldn't really even follow a schematic. And then with drone racing, you basically order the circuit boards from China and then solder them together with bits of wire and make make something that flies somehow. Is it? Uh, and that's kind of yeah. snowballed. Is it just me, or can everybody just sit here and just like listen to Alex talk at this point? It's funny how <laughs> the fun the fun way you say garage and schematic. And it's so not garage and, and solder. I, yeah. not garage yeah, most most people don't don't well at least most people in the u.s don't pronounce the l in solder i guess we kind of do it's just much much lower key than uh... no i think it, it it's awesome that's, that's all. you know for a language you've only had for 250 years you have done a pretty good job with it we've tried i don't know if you call i mean i usually people who still speak uh what proper english don't think we've done a good job with it so thank you <laughs> i was being sarcastic <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel yeah. I feel like he was actually being very English right. at us. You're right. I'm just I'm just trying to be obtuse because it works works better yeah. that way. Dirty colonial. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's this whole Nate's bit a dirty as a British colonial. person in America that I have to kind of play along with, which is that Britain's superior to America and Britain knows best and what have the Yanks stupid Yanks done and blah 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 blah. I actually really like it here, and everybody that I've worked with or met in person is super friendly, and I think. 
I can boil it down to this statement really is that the American singular is one of the nicest people you'll, you'll ever meet. However, the American as a collective, yeah, I think we're, I, we're a little, I, we're a little loud and messy. I think and... we just have a bad image really. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think the, the mo- I, I kind of agree with, with, with Alex, like, especially in person, most, most, Americans are folk who would give you the shirt off their back and are really super friendly. You put a bunch of them on social media and get them riled up and they're screaming assholes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's an issue we've talked about so many times on this show. You know, you get enough people behind keyboards and it's, there's a phrase from the social dilemma, which I'm going to quote now, which is it's you versus a thousand engineers at the other end of this portal. And their only job is to steal as much of your attention as possible. Yep. Who do you think is going to win? Your monkey brain or a thousand smart people in California? That's deep. Word. I'm going to have to watch this show. Where did you say it was at? Was it on Netflix? It's on, it's on Netflix, yeah. The Social yeah. Dilemma. It's, it's, it's one it's I've been meaning to horrifying. watch. Horrifying. <laughs> it's horrifying, yeah, but I, well worth it. I a finally watch. just finished The Expanse. Well, finished up till current. I suppose there's going to be more, but I'm now current on the expanse. Oh, you're ahead of me. So uh, now I want to watch Chernobyl. And then I suppose I'll have to look up the social dilemma. Is it a series or a movie? It's a, a one-off 90-minute That's even, even better than I could do that before yeah. watching Chernobyl. <laughs> Good. Chernobyl's great. I watched the first episode of it, and it, it really caught me. And I was, I'm like, maybe I'll watch this with my wife. And I told her about it, and just never sat down and did it so now i'm gonna have to like well i guess push her to watch it (laughs) all right so um we've gone kind of all over the place and we're we're like 45 minutes in already which is pretty much par for the course um i guess if you don't have any final thoughts maybe you do on on self-hosting or whatever i think we're probably going to move along into a transition so any last thoughts before we do that Host all your stuff. Go listen. Go listen to my podcast, selfhosted.show. Right. So, how can people find? I guess selfhosted.show is where they can find the podcast. Uh, can people find you on Twitter or anything? Or want to share that? I am there. I am over there at ironic the Twitters. Badger, yes. The Twitters. An ironic, ironic badger. badger. I love that. ironic badger. I... You know that came about through a, an automated forum generation tool about ten years ago. It sounds like the name and of then... the release of Ubuntu. Oh, yeah, it does, isn't it? Oh, that would be great if I got one named after me. <laughs> Except it has to be uh, alliterative. So, yeah. never going to happen. So, anyway, yeah, go check out Self Hosted Judge Show. I know I'm going to, even though I haven't yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll have to do that. It sounds right up my alley, to be honest. I don't know why it's taken me so long to, to check it out. We do a. A 30, 40 minute episode every two weeks with uh, Chris Fisher, who is the host, former host of the Linux Action Show uh, and now hosts Linux Unplugged and Coda Radio and a bunch of other stuff over at Jupiter Broadcasting. 30 or 40 minutes. How do you do that? That must be like an immense amount of self-control. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Because we just keep going here. We do, except for right now, because we're going to go to a break. All right, folks. So we will see you in a few minutes. We're going to take a break. And uh, we'll be back, whatever, however long it takes. We'll see you in a few.
Are you a fan of the Iron Scissorman podcast? If you are, don't forget you can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash Or you can buy merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash And thank you. And we are back. Minus an Alex. Yeah, yeah. Are you and lamenting the fact that you didn't go to get more, was it bourbon? Well, whiskey? this is this is Buffalo Trace. It is, it's bourbon, which is a form of whiskey. And I was thinking, I'm almost out, and I wouldn't mind having an angry orchard, but now we're alive again. And I probably shouldn't. So I'm just going to... I'm just going to nurse the rest of my bourbon. The tiny little bit that's left. Because it's delicious. I need to get more rye. Or really, bourbon would be fine, or whiskey would be fine. Just for the... Uh, um, I like old fashions, as, as, as you know, I think, and as the show knows. I like old fashions. I've just, for some reason, I've just been drinking my bourbon straight. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. Do old people like uh, pain in their mouth? Is that how that works? No, I, I, I just like old guys... I think, you know, it's a thing. You drink your you drink your booze straight. No ice or anything? No, I drink it neat because the ice dilutes well, it. Yeah, the ice. I sometimes put ice the in ice it. Would dilute it but that's... No, I, I legit I legitimately enjoy straight bourbon. Hey. When it's a good bourbon. If that's if that's what you like. It's an experience. I yeah. ain't gonna question it. Oh, you can question. Well, I could, I suppose. I don't know if it's really worth questioning. How's that? I'm not asking I'm not asking you to drink your bourbon straight. And I'm not judging you if you don't. It uh, it's it's recent for me, honestly. I still have my beer to drink. But, Only one tonight, though. And and I have I have some delicious beers upstairs. I got some Angry Orchards, which aren't really beer; they're a cider. And I've got uh, oh, what's what's that Pennsylvania beer? Yingling. Yeah, I got a, I got like a six pack of Yingling up in my beer fridge. Yingling, I like Yingling. Yingling's not terrible. No, it's and it's not like fancy pants. Like it's not fancy pants. Millennial, you know, uh, top knot bun in my hair. Fancy, Man. fancy drinking beer. But feel, I don't care. I feel judged. You don't have a top knot. <laughs> no, I. A man I don't. Bun. But I'm drinking that kind of beer. This is a was it flying dog? Yeah, but you didn't you didn't go out of your way to like tell me about the beer you drank and describe it in ridiculous detail and as to why it makes you superior. So we're good. I mean, I could, but you're drinking whiskey straight, bourbon straight. So then then I would judge. <laughs> All, All right. right. So this is the part of, I was, you guys might have noticed that Alex dropped out and that's fine. We gave him the option. He's got family stuff to dude, take care of. Yeah, so. dude has a has a tiny uh, child process in the house. Indeed. And that's always, you know. It takes up some some uh, some resources. That's all there is to it, mm. not just the financial kind. So lots of lots of hypervisor steel. Oh, man, I just realized Stolen that it CPU. has been so long since we've had so few people to display on the stream that I'm missing like all kinds of stuff from the display here. And now I really want to re-add them, but if I do that now live. And it's just gonna, you know, it's it's gonna be this. It's gonna be me babbling while I browse through things. <sighs> just let it be, man. Much. I'm just jo John Lennon. I'm just gonna let it go. All right, so let it go. Is, let it go. This is the you fed me this is the one. part of the show, right? This is the part of the show where Mark sings, and I give you guys the housekeeping stuff, like announcements. Um, yeah, announcements. Patreon update. We've got 21 patrons. For around like 90 bucks a month, which is pretty cool. Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm. And our usual read of patrons is 
Nicholas, Andrew. Andrew's pretty new, by the way. Um, Tatro, Root mm-hmm. is God, Bruce, Robert, Matt, David, Solemn, Trooper Ish, Linux Sys666, Gimpy B, Mark, Dementor, uh, John the Nice Guy, Mark with a C. Oh, I forgot Mark with a K, and then Mark with a C. Mm-hmm. We had a discussion about this earlier mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Do you, need, do you need to ask with a C as well? Uh, Julius, Andy, oh. Jay, Charles, and our old buddy, 22532. Two. I'm suddenly concerned because I'm down to 65 gig on my primary, on drive C on my Windows machine. Man. And, and, and what kind of world are we living in when 65 gig is like dangerously low in space? It's made, It's got like a red status bar. I know. I know. It's like crazy, 65 right? gig. 65 gig. My first PC had a 500. And it's red. At a 540 meg hard drive. I'm not taking that seriously. I'm just closing that window. <laughs> I cannot take. I cannot take a computer seriously that's but, bitching. But no, seriously, that it only so, has 65 gig of space. So my main C partition on drive C on the machine that I do the podcast and all my editing on is mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like a 500 gig um, NVMe. Right. So if I have like less than 40 gig or something free, my 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 media editing stuff really severely complains because it needs all that space for cash. Can you imagine needing that much space just for the cash for audio and video? No, it needs to it needs to get a job. It does. That, that's crazy. It does, right. Is this is this part of no? That's on drive D. What the hell is burning all the space on C? Now, now you're going to spend the rest of the show trying to clean up your hard drive. I iron sysadmin. Let's troubleshoot Mark's hard drive. Well, I've got multiple drives in the thing, and my games all go on D and F. So I don't even know what the hell would be over Windows here. Windows is a pig. That's all there is to it. Or did I did I install something from Steam accidentally on C? That's, that's probably what the hell happened. Well, how big is C? <sighs> Well, you see, that's the tragedy. Like, C's not small, but Windows, of course, is such a damn pig. Uh-huh. Um, so let's see. If I look at the computer, C is 731 gig. Yeah. D D is 180, 1.8 terabytes. F is 1.8 terabytes. And D has 237 free. F has 178 free. Oh D is where Flight Simulator lives. Well, Flight Simulator, I, I guess, takes up a lot, doesn't it? And and what I'm about to do, I'm about to just buy a friggin' uh, SD, you know, like the M2 card, mm-hmm. the 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 pure for the flight simulator, and install just that on that. <laughs> a drive just for flight sim. Uh, well, it it's pretty friggin' big, and and it's one of my performance. That's a performance block. Is this the, is this, my you know, my drives. My drives are gaming drives. They're front loaded with SSD. Yep. But there's spinning rust behind that, and they still are a block. Yep. Yeah. So um, I feel you because when I when I bought a machine after I left the college, uh, I bought a laptop because honestly, I just prefer the mobility mo- yeah, mobility of a laptop. And I'm definitely regretting that now because with the media editing and stuff that I do, it would be awesome to have more space uh, in the machine. So that I could um, add, like, exactly like like an NVMe or a or an M4 or something, just mm. to put my media on while editing, 
right? Because that is the number one thing that eats up resources on my machine. And if I could speed up disk access for that, then that would be a much you know better uh, experience. Yeah, I guess my question to myself, and I can't really answer this, is if I do that and I just put the pure SSD drive in, will the fact that drive C is still spinning rust cause a problem? I I like to, I'd like to think it wouldn't. I'd like to think that if the flight simulator is all loaded on the SSD, it would mostly be banging on that. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, at the moment I'm trying to figure out what. You, you ever have that like where a browser tab makes a noise at you and you're like, "What was that?" I remember the I remember the day when everything wasn't a damn browser tab when we actually had applications it was this Gotta mute this tab only because when my pc makes sounds it ends up in the recording i don't want that to happen yeah. okay so anyway that was our patreon update and uh the next thing we want to talk about here is if you want to get merch like the t-shirt i'm wearing completely by chance today not because we're recording Ooh, the show <laughs> is uh, if you want to get a Iron Sism in t-shirt or a handful of other interesting things like stickers and stuff, you can head on, head on over to Teespring, teespring.com slash stores slash Iron Sysadmin. We'll get you there. I keep thinking about moving that shop to something other than Teespring, and I, I don't. Mm. Maybe someday. Why, don't, why does this look more expensive than when I bought it last time? 144 What's And one? how much is it now? That's... The, the, the SSD drive Folks, that, I bought, the, that I put in the server. That's not the cost of a t-shirt, if anybody's wondering. No, We, no. we have insane no, markup because of the expense of this show. It's the same. Okay, the price didn't go up. Okay. So, at any anyway, rate, right. no new reviews this week. Or just three weeks. It's been three weeks since we recorded. No, no new reviews. Folks, review the show, because that helps us know what we're doing right or wrong. So yeah, holy shit! Do those things. Mark's busy looking up prices on computer hardware. Don't don't buy computer hardware right now. I hear it's a bad time. No, no. In fact, so the SSD drive that I paid one forty nine for new that's in the server now, and that was not that long ago. There's now a bunch of them used for one forty nine, and the new one is over three hundred. I'm like, what? I guess the flight simulator's staying on spinning drives for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't try to buy a GPU. It's fine. No, I don't need a GPU. I'm I'm good. I got a 1070. I'm happy with. I got to be honest. I've been it, I've been thinking about building a desktop, but not right now. That's for dang sure. Terrible. And definitely don't build it out of wood. Apparently, wood went out of control. Yeah. People are on on Facebook and stuff I'm, like like I've got a I've got a load full of uh, plywood. It's three grand. I'm glad I don't actually care about making stuff out of wood because otherwise I'd be upset. Yeah. On the other hand, steel is not as expensive as it once was. It's not cheap, mm. but it's not as apparently not as expensive as wood at the moment. So if you're going to build stuff, build stuff out of steel. <laughs> Why is wood so expensive right now? I don't know. It's COVID. Yeah, you can't, I'm getting tired of everybody blaming everything it's, on it's COVID. It's totally because of COVID. I don't know. That's Why is wood so expensive? We're just going to ass duck duck go. going to say COVID. Why is wood so expensive? Why is fully okay? Why is the price of lumber so high? Ah, oh, they use the they use the p word. Partridge. 
what caused lumber? Uh, low, low interest rates, building boom, uh, demand increasing. Oh, it's supply and demand. So it's not necessarily supply because of the and pandemic. demand. Well, so production slumped because of the non-existent pandemic, according to the idiots. And uh, now demand is high because buildings are covering. Funny how that works. Huh. Where were we? Uh, oh, right. We hard were, drive. Don't buy a hard drive. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about the cost of computer hardware, which somehow went into lumber. Lumber. Because it's also expensive. It's bad to buy lumber right now, too. Okay. Yeah. And we did the Patreon list. We did the Patreon thing. We did the reviews. Thing. And so ni- nice people are giving us money, even though lumber and electronics have both gone high. So we appreciate you sacrificing yes. money that you could be buying lumber It's with. definitely awesome. We appreciate um, every penny. And none of it goes into my bourbon glass, by the way. Just so you all know We can that. work on that. You'll be happy. I could send you a no, bourbon stipend I... if you'd like. I don't need a stipend. <laughs> you see, people people have said... You know, why don't you try to do streaming, make a little money with that? Why don't you do a 3D printing business? Some, like, no, that's work. I don't want obligation. The moment you pay, you start paying me for something, then I'm obligated to produce a product. That is valid. To hell with that. That is valid. I can, to I hell can, with that. I can tell you from opening a web host that it's not nearly as fun as just hosting shit in my basement. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the you stuff know, in my basement, that- I can turn off when I get sick and tired of it. Hosting, Cause, I can't. Cause, cause, yeah, because <laughs> people start that you you set expectations, and no. Right now, the only expectation I have is that the Plex server will work when the kids want to watch My Little Pony. My Little Pony, My Little Pony. Yeah, awesome. It's scary how much about that show I I, I know. Do, do do you act? How much do you end up accidentally watching it? To be honest, it's really. <laughs> I mean, all judgment aside, it's not a bad show. The new one that they... Net- Holy crap. You're Are you a brony? No, Netflix redid My Little Pony. Oh my God, Nate's a brony. Several years ago. Oh. And that's what was right at the right age for when my kids started watching it. And it is just chock full of adult references. Not like skeezy adult references, but references that adults get. And it's got all kinds of callbacks to nerd culture. Whoever writes this show... They know what they're doing, right? There's a oh there's a character in there, ironically enough, called Discord, which I think they pronounce that way. But they probably pronounce it. No, right. I don't know. But anyway, um, he is without a doubt. He is Q from Star Trek. He's even voiced by the same guy who played Q from Star Trek. John Delancey. Is that his name? I guess. It's his name. That's the character. You're a brony. Oh my god. That's the character. At least you're not a fairy. I'm not a brony. Look, I mean, a brony I can accept. Listen, look around this office. I'm just checking to be Whatever, sure. Whatever, man. Because I don't they're, think they're out of camera. There are, there are, hey, there look. are no My Little Ponies in my office. I got I got Anna and Elsa <laughs> sitting on top of my fi- of my filer, right? With their, so, with their raft you know, still in place. Well, you know, the raft made the raft ended up being a good stand. Yeah. And I know I'll break I'll break Anna's feet off if I try it. And then and you got Olaf sitting there. So the raft, the raft has become a stand. Okay. I and and I asked my daughter what she thought like Disney would charge for this if you could buy it in a gift shop on site. A bunch. We 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 figured this would be probably like a hundred bucks. Maybe. 
I think I could see them charging. Just don't try to sell it. it online. You'll get sued. Oh, I'm not going to sell it. I it, it that was a that was like a long friggin' print. Mm-hmm. That's 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 mine. You getting me? My wife's always like, "Oh, who are you printing that for?" Me. Like, what? What, what do you mean? Who am I printing it for? Speaking of long it's prints, mine. I've gone way down the rabbit hole. So on oh. on Thingiverse, which anyone who's ever 3D printed anything, we're in chat now, yeah. right? We're in chat. Anyone okay, who's yeah. ever printed anything knows what a rabbit hole Thingiverse is, because you can find anything you'd ever want to print on Thingiverse, and then you will devote right. hours of your life trying to figure out how to print it properly. Reddit's unofficial mascot was on Thingiverse. Yes. Right. So I'm in the process of printing something that's kind of creepy at the moment. You guys oh, it's totally creepy. This. Um, I found a one-third scale ball-jointed doll, which I thought would be awesome for my kids, right? If I can get to the give thing them printed. nightmares. Well, so ideally, once it's painted and has eyes and hair, it won't look nearly as creepy. Um, but so I've got I've got a shoebox full of body parts right now. Here's here's a doll butt. Right again. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a, a little creepy. Here's a, an upper arm, I think. <laughs> ah. ying, 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 so, ying, ying. so the only thing that I find really weird about this doll is the size of its breasts. <laughs> it's, it's a little mature for uh, for a doll, but you know. Um, yeah. Well, whatever. how old is the doll? Like, how old's the doll rep supposed well, to be? Well, the doll is supposed to be a fully grown woman, right? Well then, okay, she's a healthy fully Which, grown I mean, woman. honestly, I mean, when you think about Barbie dolls, Barbie is like this ridiculously large-chested and like Amazonian tall uh, representation mm. of the female form as well. It's just that bit. this one's going to be at one-third scale, which means it's going to be roughly up to like my hip <laughs> is how tall the damn thing is going to be. So mm. um, Interesting. You know, there's a lot more room for embellishments, I suppose. And things look larger because they are larger. It's a larger scale doll. So uh, yeah, that's what I've been working on. It's taken. I've. That's probably like eight different prints so far, and I'm not done yet. Right now, it's printing one of the legs. So uh, yeah, that's been that's been my time sink lately. Hmm. Interesting. Caps lock got turned on. So I'll put a link to the uh, the Thingiverse thing for the ball-jointed doll if anybody's interested in making a ball-jointed doll. Um, apparently, these things are like an art form. Uh, people print them. Well, people get ball-jointed doll kits, and, uh, you know, they paint them up to be, like, a form of art, and then they sell these things for, like, hundreds yeah, of dollars. Doesn't That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, so that's, that sounds... that's why the thing's a little more anatomically correct. They probably... Than a Barbie doll. There's probably there's probably old ladies who have clubs all around. Oh yeah, us. I mean, I maybe even not so old. Ladies. I imagine like when I was young, the thing that some girls did is bought porcelain dolls. Right, you're familiar with porcelain dolls, I'm assuming. Yeah, dude. I'm, of course, I'm not a brony, but I know what a porcelain right. doll so, is. So like, girls would collect porcelain dolls, and they're probably about the same size as this doll is going to end up being, right? Except those you can't really yeah. play with. They're really just like things you put up on a shelf. Um, well, you can play with them delicately. Right. So this is a this is a similar a similar thing, right? It's meant. No, I think yeah. it's cool. I I think it's cool. Had I had a three D printer when my daughters were younger, I might try a similar project. Like my daughter Maggie, she'll send me stuff she wants me to print for her. 
like she sent me, she sent me two things earlier today. She wants this, um, she's got a Google, she's got a Google home. So she wants this Google home mini stand. That's kind of cool. That's the, yeah. And then she, uh, her boyfriend got her an Apple watch. So she wants this charger to hold it while it's charging. That looks like a, a, a Mac classic. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so, and that's what she does. She's like, Hey dad, here's a, she doesn't even, she doesn't even, it, she cold, she actually cold sends the stuff Just to here. Me. She doesn't even say, Hey dad, can you print this for me? Yeah. She sends these two things. And then she does the little smiley faces with the stars in their eyes. Like, yeah. So the other thing I'm doing is, I don't know if you remember, but about a year ago, I spent a week or two. I don't remember what happened to you. Several ago. weeks, probably uh, building a front bumper for my Jeep. So I can put a winch on it. I think you mentioned something about I'm now, that. Yeah. I'm now doing the same thing for the wife's Jeep. So, and it's coming out awesome. There, mm. there, there will be a video on it eventually. Uh, once it's done, I'll I'm be sure, sure to share it with anybody. If, on your many terabytes of yeah, of right. Home if storage. anybody's interested in uh, such things, but I'm, I'm basically building it out of quarter and eighth inch steel, and it'll be awesome when it's done. I promise. <laughs> but you're not 3D printing that. No, so I don't that's... think 3D printing a bumper to hold a winch would be a very good idea. Not not with current technology. Not with current. And not, or I, at least not with PLA. When I can 3D you know? print steel, which I believe is a thing you can do, I just I just can't. Um, then I think they call that fabricating at this point. You need like a fabrication machine. Yeah, right. So, the, but I mean, it it basically works just like a welder. It puts down like dots of yeah steel. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. I am just kind of like there's a there's a channel I watch. This guy has a. Um, they call it a plasma table, which is basically, um, it's the same concept as a 3D printer, except instead of printing something, it cuts things. So if you're familiar with like a vinyl cutter or like a laser cutter, mm -hmm. sure. it's that, except it uses a plasma torch to cut steel. So he cuts. So you had me at plasma torch. Right. So he, so he, he cuts things out of steel <laughs> with it. Because so, you can use that to cut steel or you can like strap James Bond to a table and use the plasma torch right. to terrorize I, him. Man, I have a plasma torch. If you ever really, if you if you want to like replicate a James Bond uh, torture uh, trap, then yeah. uh, we could we could do that if you really wanted to. Do, do you expect me to burg? No, I expect no, you to No, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> And you know these moron supervillains. How how super can they be? They leave Bond in the room yeah. and then walk I'm out. I'm just going to go over here and have some tea or whatever while you die. I'll come. <laughs> I'll come back and admire your body after the kill. Like Doctor Evil's son from from Austin Powers had the right idea. Well, let's shoot him in the head. I, I, I got a gun say, in my wasn't, room. I can go there, get it right now. Wasn't there a parody of this where they're like, why don't we stay here and make sure he dies? You're, I think it was Austin Powers that I'm thinking of. It was Austin Powers. Yeah. No, we leave. Well, Dad, I'll, I'll go. let's shoot him in the head. I'll go get my gun out of my room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah that was that was excellent. And then, of course, he escapes. Well, yeah. Austin Powers. Well, yeah. Duh. He's the hero. He Durr. has to escape. There was a, a video game. Oh, I'm going to have to look this up on my emulator now. It was a game on Nintendo called Nightshade, which was basically you're like you're like you're an you're 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 basically an investigator, right? You got the trench coat and the hat, the fedora hat. And uh, it's one of these puzzle solving games where you basically walk around and have to do certain things. And uh, whenever you get captured, 
Like this is instead of dying and having lives, uh, whenever you get captured, you have to escape a trap very similar to James Bond style traps. It's a trap. Where it's like you're put into this thing and you're expected to solve it, and that's how you continue on in the game. And if you can solve all of them, I think eventually there's some you just can't solve. Uh, but if you can solve them, then you get to continue the game. You go back to where you were. Um, fun game. I'm gonna have to look it up on my on my uh, my retro pie. I'm pretty sure I've got it. And you may too. It's a trap. It's a great game, though. It's a great game. Yeah. Hmm. So what do you have going on? 3D printing like a fiend is what you have. I, I have been 3D. I've been 3D printing like a fiend. I have been. I've got this whole collection of little figures that I've printed. Uh, I showed some on camera already, and I've thrown them out the, on, on the social medias. One of our fellow Tams asked me to print. He, he's got some sump pumps that have sensors, and he found these little brackets on Thingverse to, that the sensors sit in, and he asked me if I could print those for him. So I did that, and then he and his wife and their grandkids swung by and picked them up last weekend. It was kind of cool. Or the weekend before, because I was camping last weekend. And then uh, one of the guys I D&D with is prototyping this board game and he wants to make two more copies because he can't always he want he needs to ship them to demo to demo in various places. It's like this 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 minotaur maze game or whatever. So he's asking me if I'm willing to print out the walls and some heroes and some minotaur counters. So I, I got to run some test prints. He sent me the files last night, but I was playing Valheim with one of our other Tams. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll run a test over the next couple of days. Valheim seems to eat up a lot of your time. Not, not as much as not as much as it did, although Ajax, Ajax Cat, which is his uh, his handle. I don't want to use his real yep. name, but we work. I know what you're talking about. We, we beat the second boss last night after spending way too long, way too many of the last sessions getting ready. And it wasn't even necessarily getting ready to fight the boss. When, whenever you kill a boss in Valheim, it upscales these random attacks that happen every so often. And we didn't want... There's this one attack that can now happen where multiple trolls descend upon your base. Yeah. Like it only it only happens when the game knows you're in a when the game detects that you're near your bed and it assumes you're in your base. And when that happened, we had one troll pound the crap out of our last base. And the thought of two or three um attacking at once was terrifying. So we've built up fortifications and made some multiple moats and then we've raised some stone walls. So we, we think we're actually kind of ready if, if this attack should happen. So we killed the second boss last night and that felt pretty good. Cool. The game, the game I've been playing most of lately is actually monster hunter rise on the switch. So if I were to buy Valheim and try mm -hmm. to play with you guys, would it be this, the mm -hmm. usual case where it's like, Oh, we're, we're, we're way above you now and you can't actually play with us. Or is Valheim one um, of those where it, it accounts for that? So, so here's the thing. He and I don't, we don't move too fast. So you could catch up with us pretty quickly. What we would probably recommend that you did is you get it and you play a little bit on a solo world just to get a feel for it. Well, yeah. 
But I'm, I mean, you could buy it and then five minutes later be like, hey, I want to play on Tamland. And I'd absolutely give you the I'd give you the credentials to hop onto it. You could, you'd spawn over near our near the newbie area and you wouldn't have to come and like you could kind of blaze your own trail. The only thing you wouldn't be able to do is kill the first two bosses for the first time. You can still summon them for the first time in forever. No, um, you could still summon them because they drop some key pieces of technology. Although we could make you the stuff that you'd need for the first. Yeah, you could catch up with us very quickly. I'm now just doing verbal diarrhea. <laughs> Because I've, I mean, I've, I've wanted adds to, up to you. I, I've wanted to pick it up and just haven't yet. And I mean, tomorrow's payday, mm, so I might just go ahead and drop that that whole twenty dollars on Valheim. It's really excellent. And again, I you'd be welcome to join us when you want to. I we're we're probably going to try and play a little tomorrow night because we 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 want to. It, it works on a biome system. The first biome, I don't want to spoil too much, but the first biome you start in is the meadows. And the first time you accidentally stumble out of the meadows into the next biome, which is the Black Forest, the the the, the, the raven that's guiding you, because you're a dead Viking, you're in the afterlife. Yep, Valheim. Um, yeah, it 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 shows up and says, "Hey, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your best afterlife, but if you keep going this way, your ass is going to be kicked because you're not strong enough." And and he's absolutely right because what happens is you have to tech up. Like you have to build, you have to build armor, you have to upgrade your armor. And then after you kill the first boss, he, it gives you, it, it gives you an item that lets you build uh, proper pickaxes to then unlock bronze. Like then you can start building stuff out of bronze and then you tack up and you kill the next boss. And that's where that's where Ajax and I are right now. We just killed that boss. So we can now venture into the next biome, which will let us start using iron. Because the second boss drops what you need to get access to the iron, uh, drops that technology. And there are there are fairly hefty jumps in difficulty between the different tech tech the, the different biomes. Um, and if you're not careful and you stumble in, um, you'll be pretty mercilessly torn to pieces. So there's that. It sounds like fun. It is fun. It's got, when you die, you drop all your stuff in a tombstone and your tombstone never decays, but you do have to go back and get it. And your skills, your character has skills that grow up as, that go up as you use them. And when you're killed, you lose a percentage of your skills. And then for the next 10 minutes, you can't lose any more skills if you die again. That's to prevent a total. Like, remember the the horrible EverQuest stories? You played EverQuest a bit, yes, right? Yes, I did. So did you ever hear the horrible stories? And I don't know if these are true or just exaggerated of someone would like get their bind location set to a, to a point. But then it was not a great location because it was where monster trains would happen. Yeah. So the monsters would kill you. You die and then you respawn at that bind point and the monsters don't care. They kill you again uh-huh. because you're not far enough out of their aggro range that's and a, there might be other players. That's a real thing. And so, and you're just friggin' de-leveling down to, I think once you de-level down to level 10, you couldn't lose any more levels when you die. I don't think EverQuest was ever that forgiving. <laughs> no, there was, there was a definitely a level where, where you wouldn't lose experience on death. Um, and it was either level five or level 10. 
I don't think in the initial days of EverQuest there was there was that because I you think you lost can, experience at level one if you died. I can remember being low level and still losing experience when dying. Mm. They may have changed it the later, un- but EverQuest was not un- a forgiving game, not at all. And you know what? I actually liked that aspect. <clears throat> Me of too. It. Me and too. I miss that about EverQuest because EverQuest was basically a graphical mud, and muds yeah. were never forgiving. Muds kicked your butt when you died. So, so Valheim, Valheim is unforgiving, but not in a way that makes you just want to put a gun in your mouth. <laughs> now, what I, what I have totally lost is I had my first base on my own private world. My, fir- my, my first real base near the second biome, the black forest. I didn't realize a troll lived fairly close by and the first time, and I didn't realize the troll could hear so well. So I run back to my base after doing something and there's a troll nearby and all of a sudden he's running to my base. I'm like, oh, I'll just hide in the base. And all of a sudden he starts smashing my walls. I'm like, ah, and then I, I, you can't hide. I do the little, I do the little kid thing where I go and try and hide under the table inside my crafting room. And he just like smashes the crap out of it and I die (laughs) and I run, I run back and there's, there's the troll just like, going ham on my base. And then I, I waited for him to go away. And it was just, it was like he destroyed my main building and there was, uh, I actually lost some stuff. Terrible. It, and it was, it was, it was terrible, but it was exhilarating because it's like, you know, early Minecraft, when you would go into a cavern, a deep underground cavern, and then suddenly you realized, holy crap, I'm lost. Uh-huh. I'm legitimately lost. And then you hear the spiders and then you hear the zombies. (laughs) And then suddenly there's the hissing explosion sound of a creeper and you die. And all your stuff that you were wearing, all your gear, all your, it's gone because you're not going to find your body because there was no, this was before in-game maps. Mm -hmm. You, you, you were screwed. You were, you spawned back at your bed naked. Yep. Yeah. Boy, we we off topic to there. We went. We? That's that's fine. You know, this is chat. But you should uh, come play. Va- you should come play Valheim. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to do that. I'll have to get the game and try it out. I think it's a great. I think it's a great balance of kick you, kick you where it hurts, but you still you want to come back for more just because it's such a it. It can be super chill and fun too. That's cool. So what? Oh, do you want to hit the news button? You may as well move into the news. Hit the news button. So we're a little light on news today, but that's okay, I think, because, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being done. So the first one, and I I, kind of wish Alex had hung hung out for this because I'd be interested in his take on this. So you're familiar with tracking cookies, right? Like the, like the, the purpose that they serve. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, so um, both Google and Apple are currently working on alternatives to tracking cookies. And um, I'm going to summarize the two. So this article's from Bloomberg, by the way. Um, I'm going to summarize the two, and I want you to just give me your initial take, because I'm assuming you haven't read the article yet. I haven't read the article, but I'm familiar with what's going on. Okay, so 
Apple is planning a change where, uh, and I guess this is something that's come to Safari already, but it's going to come to things like apps on your iPhone and whatnot. It's a, it's part it's part of iOS. Right, it's part right of now. iOS. iOS 14.5, which I'm running right, right now. So what they're going to do is, from now on, when you're offered something akin to a tracking cookie, whether it's from an app or, I guess, from websites in Safari, because I think they do mention Safari in the article, um, you're going you're gonna to have the option to allow or deny different types of tracking cookies. So very similar to how when you install, you know, a new app on your phone, it wants access to your location, your camera, and your microphone, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. You get to say yes, no to whatever you want. I, I think that's how it works on iPhone. That's how it works on Android right now. It does, right. Where it's like, yeah, you're a mapping app, so you can definitely have access to my location because you kind of need that to work. But my camera, you really don't need. I'm going to turn that off because why do you need to look at me, right? Um, anyway. They're going to do it. They're going to take a similar approach to tracking cookies. So it gives the user the option to say, no, I don't want you to be able to track my using my usage habits. I don't want you to be able to, to send me customized ads. I don't want you to report back to Facebook with uh, with this with these tracking cookies. I want you to just shut up and give me the data that I've asked for. Yep. Google, on the other hand has a uh they're also revamping how they want their i think chrome is going to be doing this and of course i I suppose android i don't know if they really cover that specifically in the uh in the article but you can bet that if they're going to do it on chrome it'll eventually come to android um what they're going to do is instead of letting you pick and choose they're going to use what they're calling oh there was a word here for it federal learning of cohorts they're calling it flock, F-L-O-C. What the flock? Um, and the idea here is that your tracking cookies, instead of saying Mark Richter likes to look for printers on Amazon or whatever, you buy a PLA on Amazon and reporting that back to Facebook so that Facebook can give you ads that are based on 3D printing and whatnot, uh, they're going to say uh, Mark Richter is instead interested in, I don't know, whatever you would put 3D printing under it. Uh, you know, just 3D printing in general or or creative outlets or whatever. Uh, the examples they're using are, um, like, if you go to people.com, you maybe put in a cohort of celebrity gossip fans, right? So instead of saying, Mark Richter likes people.com, Mark Richter likes Lady Gaga, it'll be, Mark Richter is interested in celebrities, right? So Nate, Nate Lager is a brownie. Nate yeah, Lager likes like My Little Pony. Um, <laughs> My little pony. or kids shows or whatever and of course the idea from Google's perspective is this sort of um, disconnects the person from the interest or not the interest but it disconnects the person from the specifics so it helps protect identity in that way right instead of saying you know you are a Lady Gaga fan it's you're interested in celebrity gossip right um, so that's sort of the high level of what these two are doing. I'm curious what you think of the two. So um, what I can tell you is um, the moment that I could get iOS 14.5, I did. And then I went to settings, privacy, tracking, and then flipped the button that turns it off for everything. Yeah. 
So rather than it nagging me the first time I run an app, hey, do you do I have permission to track you across other apps? That setting says Just the answer's no. You can't <laughs> it, it can't the apps can't even ask me. So while I don't get the privilege of telling Facebook to die in a fire, um I kinda do it anyway. basically <laughs> Right, but I don't get to deny it specifically. Right. So so um I'm a big fan. I think we have given away so much privacy and to hear Facebook whine and piss and sound so entitled about it actually gives me a certain amount of delight. Right. So I'll, so I'll tell you that the, I'm a fan. the analysis, at least from Bloomberg anyway, and from folks in the industry that depend on this ad revenue are they sort of like Google's method a little better because they get to they get to keep on doing what they're doing and people still technically get some of their privacy back. Although the EFF disagrees and says that uh, you're not actually fixing a privacy problem, you're just making a different one. Uh, and then, no. of course, from the Apple perspective, it's, well, sure, people get their privacy back, but all this ad revenue is effectively going to go away because most people are going to do exactly what you did and say, no, you can't try Boo hoo. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not defending one way or the other. I was just curious what your your uh initial I, take was. I don't feel sorry. I think for I sort them. of agree with you to be honest. I think that I would rather have I think the option that, to turn it off. I think Facebook has I, I hearing how Facebook cries like a little baby about this and knowing the abuses they've done, to me this this is just a little bit of Maybe it's an immature way to think about it, but, and I know Apple's not the little guy, like they're a huge company. No. But I I feel that this is not the first time Apple has done something on the side of privacy. So here's you might the remember thing, right? Apple gets your money in the old fashioned way. They charge you a bunch of money it. for a thing, right? Some argue that it's too much money for a thing, right? Then they they don't have to buy Where it. Where Google gets your money through ad revenue, essentially, and they sell you that thing cheaper in order to get your your money, right? Or do, mm-hmm. or to make money off of you. And I guess the question is which which way is more valid? And I guess that really comes down to a person by person thing, right? So well, it it is, and that's the great part about competition. Right. I love competition. My vote, Apple's done a few things, but this solidifies it for me. I am I I am now firmly in Camp Apple. A couple of years ago, there was that there was that uh, terrorist shooting, yep. and the guy had the iPhone, yep. and the Feds were leaning hard on Apple to decrypt and they it. Defended the users, the users and Apple said, yeah. "No, no, we can't do that." And I had a fascinating conversation on an airplane at that time with with a couple of guys because we were talking about I don't even know how it came up, but the whole encryption and like, man, Apple should help decrypt that. You know, the government has a right to know that stuff. I'm like, really? And and they're like, yeah, you know, there should be there should be a, a special key that you can unlock it with. I'm like, really? So so you understand that if that backdoor key exists. That's not, you know, governments will demand that key. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay. I'm like, okay, so now imagine that I'm, I live over in Iraq or Iran or wherever. And I'm, I'm a gay man. Yeah. I'm a gay man. 
No, I I I I used Iran sure. because I could specifically use this example. They hang gay people in Iran. People don't like to admit that, but they hang gay people in Iran. So imagine that I'm a gay man. I'm texting my boyfriend because I'm using my iPhone and I think it's safe or I'm sending what I believe are safe encrypted messages. The government can decode that, arrest me and execute me. Right. How's that? What do you guys think of privacy now? And their jaws dropped and they're like, yeah, we see your point. And, and, and so just because it sounded like it was the good guys having access to encrypted data, that's, it doesn't matter. Some things are some things are more important. Yeah, and it would you know to to be honest, it's really hard to not side with the authorities in a case where you know we're trying to find out what a terrorist was planning, right? But right. You're but right. They you have... really have to think about all of the repercussions that are going to come afterward, and that's exactly what Apple did. I agree with you. Shortly after that, I bought an iPhone. Unfortunately, I just didn't like the iPhone ecosystem. Um, and that's why I switched back to Android, but, and that's okay. But, but, but that, that decision really helped solidify my stance. And then this, this recent thing, it's like, okay, you guys are proving once again that, and and if I were super cynical, I'd throw the Facebook lines out about, well, Apple just wants to generate their own ad ecosystem. Well, maybe they do it. Maybe they don't, but honestly, Facebook has demonstrated that they're assholes and they're bad at this. And, <laughs> and I use and what the funny thing is, is I'm a Facebook user. I should probably stop using them, but I have no respect for them. Right. And, and so to hear Mark Zuckerberg, the Android beep and boop and be offended by all this actually brings me joy. This sparks joy. <laughs> and I, and, and because I think we as a people have given up too much. Yeah privacy so i have one one will it will it will it actually make a difference like if apple hadn't done this would it have would i have stopped using facebook on my iphone what it probably wouldn't have changed it but i like even if it's even mostly symbolic uh, i approve so i've, I've i absolutely one sort of follow-up right and this is a this is a conversation that i've had with jason in the past uh, around the time when things like targeted advertising really started to show up in the world um if you have to deal with ads anyway, right? So if, if you have to endure ads on Facebook or wherever anyway, wouldn't you rather they were things you were actually interested in? I don't follow it. I, I don't care about ads. I generally don't pat, don't use them. So, I mean, most of the time I, I ignore, ignore them. them, right? But there are times, and I'll admit this, right? There are times when the right ad comes by where it's like, wow, I didn't know that existed. And... I'm kind of glad I got this ad because my life is better because I I know this thing exists now. It's a thing I wouldn't have thought to look for. It's a thing that came across, right? Yeah, it's maybe it's just sort of an observation that I've I've made. You know, and 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 you might you make a little bit of sense there, but I'm the 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 evil Mark is still happy to see Facebook squirm a little. No, bit. No, I, I think I agree with that. I gotta be honest. I agree with that. Even though I'm a, even though I've been a Facebook user for years, I am curious what folks are gonna do to try to get those ad, get that ad, to get that ad revenue back. Not my, not my monkey, not my zoo. Because like on, non-targeted ads, if you ask me, are basically useless. 
Like I, I remember back to the '90s when ads first started showing up on websites, and they were just like you completely off the wall. They were just whatever ad, you know, whatever ad campaign. But, but here's the thing, Nate. Here's the thing. Facebook knows a lot about me already. This they're they're pissed that they can't track what I'm doing with my other applications yeah. on my phone. Right. Right. They already know a lot about me. Yeah, but this isn't just so, Facebook. It's it's every, it's it's every app manufacturer or app writer well, on the on the iOS market. Well, you know, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> too bad is right. And maybe there will be people who are like, okay, I don't mind. That's fine. Good for them. Mm-hmm. But I I for me I like I like that I can shut that type of activity down. Because I feel like I've reclaimed a little bit of my. Yeah, privacy. I mean, I don't disagree with although, you. I'm, I'm, I'm playing a little it's bit probably, of devil's advocate here, but I, I really don't no, disagree I, with you. I, I, right? I, 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 I think we should have the choice as well, and I, I'm disappointed by the fact that Google is not giving us the choice because uh, I don't know if you remember this, but they Google were the ones that led that charge when it came to app permissions. Uh, the part uh, that the- iOS would let you disable permissions, but the granular access that came from Android first. Well, that's, you know, that's part of sharing ideas, yeah. right? The part that the part that annoys me, the part that I really just shake my head is that you, Facebook seems like like it's their God-given right to be able to do this and and and, you know, anybody moving against that is like a terrible person. I would argue that for the type of service that Facebook is, I can understand why they feel entitled to it for users who use the service, right? Because the service is effectively free. You're not paying physical dollars for it. The way they make, the way they pay their bills, the way that they make money is through the ad revenue. So that's effectively how you pay for it. You pay for it by giving them your data, right? You can argue back and forth about whether that's right or not, but the way to truly tell them it's wrong is to go delete your Facebook account. Yep. But I mean, we're all kind of stuck at this point, right? You leave Facebook, you lose a lot. Not just aggravation. Yeah. <laughs> There's certain truth to that. I'm going to start my own uh, social network that doesn't mine your data. How's that sound? Good luck with that. Yeah. See, that's the point. That is the exact point. Good luck with that. That's that's the response. Because it's unlikely that anyone's going to be able to do it. Maybe, maybe social media truly is a terrible thing and we really don't need it. It really is. It's a terrible thing. However, we've been participating in social media since long before social media was a thing, if you think about it. BBS days, the Usenet. IRC days, Usenet days, message forums on the internet. Those were all social media before Facebook ever came around. And we all loved it because you want to interact with people. And that's exactly what social media gets you. It's just Zuckerberg figured out how to put it all in one place. Anyway, let's move along, huh? Sure. I have a, move along. I have a move slightly along. more somber second article, and this is that Dan All Kaminsky. Right. Do you remember Dan Kaminsky? I don't know. Do you know who I'm talking about when I say Dan Kaminsky? Uh, the name is familiar. You remember in 2008, there was this big deal about DNS cache poisoning? Yeah, I do. Dan Kaminsky was the security researcher who discovered it and organized basically organized a secret trust of uh, all of the different DNS vendors to try to patch the problem before going live with it, before announcing it to the world. He's, he sort of modeled the idea of responsible disclosure 
He was a security researcher. Uh, and now, unfortunately, at 42 years old, he's passed away. So this news just came out earlier this week. This article is from the Irish Times, because it's the first one I found that talked about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dan Kaminsky is gone. Apparently died of complications from diabetes. I don't have a lot of the details there. I see that. But I recommend that uh, you read the article if you're at all interested in what happened to Dan and basically what his life was all about. Um, a big name in security. A big name. So I'm sure he will be missed. All right, so unless you had any other news, I included an article in there about the, some information about the uh, the DNS cache poisoning stuff that he had discovered. If anybody's interested in that, That's a shame. And wants to remember the old days back in 2008 when Di that hit. But Di diabetes is a bitch, man. It really, it really is. I lost a, an old college friend to it quite a while ago, and that was like, ah, uh, but it, but it was, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to go down that road. That's a shame. Yep. 42. I know. A kid. He's only a year older than I am now. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, I'm 41. <laughs> I don't have diabetes, though. Consider myself lucky for that. Well, try, try. Yeah, I, I, I need to get back on the exercise and weight loss train because I've been slacking over the winter. So pandemics don't my help doctors, with that either. You know what? I I can't even use that as an excuse because I was doing great until my birthday in October, and then I'm just like, uh, and then I just kind of slid off, and I'm up, um, I'm back up in the high two thirties. Yeah, like oh, terrible, like November ish. I was uh, at I was at two eighteen. I was at two eighteen, and I'm back up in the high two thirties. Oh wow, it fucking sucks. Yeah, back in uh, November or so when it started to get too cold to, to really be outside. I hate the cold. Like that's the one thing I hate about living in the region that we live in is it gets cold. Um, it does get cold, but uh, I also don't like it ridiculously hot, so I stay here. <laughs> because if you go further south, it gets a lot hotter, and I don't love that either. It, it, I it's, can live with it's the all cold. it, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's we, all it's all just lazy. We fell out of me, we but... fell out of running over the winter too, and we're gonna get back into it. Um, so just bought new running shoes a few days ago. Just, they, they just I just got to get back into taking a friggin' walk every afternoon. Yeah, walks aren't so bad. We have been doing that. I just, I've, I've just been, been lazy. No, I haven't even been doing that. I'm just, I'm just freaking lazy. Anyway, uh, I but did by the way, this is an absolutely spec. This has been in my YouTube's favorite list for years. On honest hand to heart, I the My Little Pony Rainbow Dash. Uh, you're gonna go far. Excellent. <laughs> Do not show it to your daughters. It's explicit. Okay. Like the language, it's you're gonna go far from the offsprings. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah, the the, uh, the offspring, but it's in a higher pitched voice. Yeah, it's funny. You'll like it. Watch it. Did you add that too? And it's a great episode, by the way. It's two episodes, really, but there's the one episode when uh, Rainbow Dash wins the uh, wins this contest. It's in the general chat in Iron Society to the uh, to the tune of uh, Offspring. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'll, I'll have to watch it without the kids. Watch it when we're done. Because they'll because they'll see Rainbow Dash and they'll want to watch it. Should should I I don't know if I don't know if this will let you play it like like if we could do like a live like Nate, Nate reacts to yeah you know, right like the kid the kids do those I'll now probably end up with some kind of a copyright strike. Yeah, that's true. 
Yeah. That's the worst part of my when I go flying. I was testing this jump seat radio, which lets me tune into local radio stations across the internet. Like it sees where my aircraft is and then it figures <laughs> That's out awesome. where's the internet. But <laughs> but like I think a copyright I get I get like YouTube's like you can't publicize this video until you edit the music out. Yeah. Like when I do when I do drunken seller radio on Pandora, it's all stuff that's either public domain or they don't care. Okay. Or and the or the artist gets the money. But like when I'm listening to a classic rock station, yep. uh suddenly there's there's enough Led, artists who are like Led Zeppelin wants you that cannot money. play this. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, uh and the and there's a couple of algorithms you can use on YouTube to try and like automatically strip the song out or overlay another song with it. Uh, and it's not great. So I'm like, oh, well, I guess I I guess I can't use jump seat for things I'm going to stream. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's real. They're brutal with it. That they are. Copyright is a thing on YouTube that is a big deal. When you were telling me that you were listening to, to your iHeartRadio station, I, I thought, wow, that's. I'm surprised that it works that way because everything I've ever seen about copyright on YouTube is not nearly that forgiving. I guess it was just, you had artists that were forgiving. Well, right. The drunken sailor, it's, it's like all sea shanties and yeah. like bar songs. So I guess it's stuff. like it's older awesome. stuff or stuff that's in the public domain or whatever. So you can, or right. Or the artist is like, yeah, this can be paid, but you got to pay me instead of the guy who's streaming. Right. It. And there's a lot of songs like that, but there's a couple that are not like that at all. You're just not allowed to do it. Yep. I think there were there were two the last time I used it, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is a pain in my ass because it just extends the editing process for me. Yep, and it does, and it does. You're gonna have to start to like uh, Creative Commons music and listen to that, which there is or some can really good stuff out there. Or you know, I could just not friggin' stream my flights and just fly and listen to the. Just fly, you know, just listen to whatever I want because I'm enjoying it on my own. With um with with some with some setup, you could listen to music yourself without put it sending it to the stream. I absolutely could do that. I I how would I do that? Because I want I want the sound coming into the VR headset so I can hear it, but that's also where the aircraft and ATC things go. It all comes down to audio inputs and monitoring in uh it does, but there's there's no realistic way for me to to be able to hear the music and not have it on the stream, but also let people hear the aircraft and the air traffic control noises too. Unless unless I do that stuff through the computer speakers because of the way the index offsets. I got to think about I, it. I have some suggestions, but we won't do it live on Iron System. How's that sound? <laughs> mm, yeah. So folks, I think the show's over for tonight. I hope you, anyone who's hung with us, Almost I don't know if anyone, I don't know if anybody's, by Valheim. I'm sure, uh, or flight sim, right? Go, go for, or better yet, send Mark some money for his NVMe drive or his M2 drive. Because <laughs> they're too freaking expensive, and he wants the flight sim faster. <laughs> yeah. All right. So obviously this week was thrown off, but normally if you want to watch us live, you can do so on the second and fourth Thursday of every month. Uh, we should be live next Thursday because we moved this show off by one because I got my COVID shot last week and I was feeling like crap. Well, I should say the whole family was feeling like crap. At least my wife and I. You guys, all better now. We are all better. It was, uh, they, they say it's a 24 hour thing. And I, I swear it was like a switch got shut off at 24 hours. I guess that's, that's when Bill Gates 
toggled the switch for Nate Lager. He must have on the he thing, right? Have. So, well, th- thank you for getting them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's. Um, I personally As... feel like it's an important thing, not just because my healthcare provider is telling me it's an important thing, and not because uh, I think there's some government conspiracy that's trying to force us to uh, get some weird implant. Um, but just because I think I want to get back to normal and getting back to normal means we have to get rid of a completely based in science uh, pandemic that is solvable with modern technologies such as vaccines. Um, I really don't understand where people are coming from. Mm. It's a frustrating thing for you too, I know. But let's go ahead and finish up with the show anyway. Uh, right. So you can find us on ironsysadmin.com or twitch.tv slash podcast or youtube.com slash podcast. All of that you can find on our website. If you want to join our Discord community, did I say it wrong? Do I have to get the, the audio sound? I haven't played it the whole show, so I feel like I need to. Discord! Uh, but yes, you can join our community. Uh, again, the link is in the show notes, or you can find it on ironsystemin.com. There's an item in the menu there for it. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for the Iron System in Podcast. And if you want to support the show, you can do so by buying merch at the URL that I talked about earlier on Teespring. Uh, or you can just send us money through Patreon. Patreon.com slash And You get a few cool little perks if you fall into one of our tiers uh, through that community that I mentioned earlier. And I think that is everything for today. What do you think, Mark? I think that's good. I think it was a good show I tonight. I think it was a good show. Felt, felt good to be back on the saddle. Alex was great to have on. Yeah, that was fun. And hap- was fun. happy, uh, happy hundredth show, man. You I got know. you got to a hundred. We didn't even. Did you uh, ever? Did you ever imagine when you first started the Iron Sys Admin how long it would go? Honestly, I have no idea. I, I really had no no idea. I did, I did sort of think or maybe hope that the show would be even more popular than it is by now. But I'll take it to be honest. We've got a we've got a loyal fan base. We've got people who are willing to literally send us money to do the show. Um, every now and then, we actually get people reaching out to to do interviews on the show, which is honestly more than I ever expected. It's it's cool. I'm, I'm very happy that the show is is still going. You know, I'm, I, honestly, I think I'm too stubborn for the for the show to die off unless I really got tired and sick of it. But uh, <laughs> so far, that hasn't happened. <laughs> There's still sysadmining to be iron about. There is, there is. Though I do, I do sometimes worry that I'm going to get too far from like the real world being a tam now. But I guess I'm just going to try to. Doesn't that it? Happen. Doesn't have it? Doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. But we can talk about that more later. Absolutely. All right, so folks, thanks for watching, and um, I guess we'll catch you in a week when we do our next show. I have no idea what it's going to be about. If anyone oh, has any suggestions, week. feel free tell us what you want to hear us talk about because I'm I'm kind of dry at the moment for ideas. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody, and we'll see you in a week. Peace out, Iron System listeners.